It's Monday, August 28th, 2017. I'm Herbie Newell, and this is the Defender Podcast, a daily encouragement to mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This daily podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm coming to you from Birmingham, Alabama. Well, we are asked as a team many times, do we have orphans in the United States? And that's really a tough question, because certainly if you look at orphan as a word that says child without a support system, without structure, then yes, we do. But if you're looking at orphan as someone who has physically through death or dismemberment lost both of their parents, many times we don't have a lot of kids in that situation in the United States of America. One of the reasons in America we don't have as many kids that have lost mom and dad and and don't have a support system is because of the close establishment of our laws and wills and, and just how kids have family members typically that they're able to go to. But the problem and the epidemic that we have in the United States of America is is we have seen sin pervade our families. We have seen just the brokenness of families. We see children in families where they are being abused or they're being neglected or they're being forgotten. And this has caused what we see in the United States as a foster care epidemic. We see children that are, are having to be snatched out of their homes in order to, to receive a, a temporary Uh, safety, temporary security. And uh, even as we start this podcast, I want to make sure that we all know the goal of foster care is not adoption, but the goal of foster care is reunification. And, And the greater goal of foster care is permanence. We want these kids to have a permanent environment. And if that is back with mom and dad or mom or dad, then that is God's plan and that is the best. If that is with a biological family member that's going to be a safe place and is going to be a, a place where they can grow and be nurtured, then that's the best thing. And if that's with an unrelated family through adoption and that permanence can be related, then that is a good thing. And so we are, are privileged to have Jennifer Travis and Christy Max Seegers here with us today just to discuss foster care and then also how Lifeline is responding to the foster care needs that are in our country and specifically in our states. And so I just, I want to start with you, Christy Mack, and just explain for us, what is the need? What's the problem that we have with foster care in the United States of America? Yeah, thanks, Herbie. We, um, here in the United States, we have almost 400,000 children in foster care. Um, And just like you said, many of these children, the goal is reunification. Um, And so we are working to to get these children back into their birth families but unfortunately a lot of times this reunification goal is not achieved very quickly um and and many children are left to just languish in the foster care system instead of going back into a stable home and and this really relies on two main factors um we're really looking for stable foster care placements really well equipped foster families who know that the goal is reunification and also really the need is that child and birth family engagement really being able to engage that birth family and help equip them so that when that child is reunified that will be a stable home for them 
Yeah, and so we see this huge need that is obviously in our country, and and this need is something that that is is just hard to look at when you see that there's four hundred thousand kids in foster care, and and certainly we want to all do something. And a lot of times when we look at this need, right, we instinctively point to the state, and we say, well, the state's the problem. If they would just do something differently, or if they would would move differently, or or if they just cared more. And I think these are just false statements that come from uh, really a place of inaction, right? When we're inactive and we're not doing something, we want to blame someone else for what they're not doing or how they're not doing what they're doing well. It's a whole lot easier to critique what someone else is doing when you're not doing anything yourself. And so, Jennifer, I know you have a unique position because you've worked for the state, both in a professional job as well as internships. And so just give us an idea of what does it look like for the state and what they're doing to stand up for these kids and and, and tell us what what is the state really doing? Yeah, um, the state has been put in a unique situation, I feel like, because they never really were intended to be the ones that cared for the children, to be the ones that took on this role. But because of inaction and because in some ways we didn't step up when we were supposed to, the state had to step in. And so when you come from that framework and understand this is a state trying to get on top of uh, an overwhelming crisis, like Christy Mack said, you're bound to have brokenness and you're bound to have issues that don't quite get resolved or children that aren't cared for as optimally as they need to be because there's a a need for more intensive training surrounding birth family partnership and even state welfare system partnership and um, just when you work in those type of realms I guess you'd say of not enough workers possibly not enough time not enough funding not enough training it does create some difficulties that are just impossible for the state to overcome alone and um, just being a piece of that and on that side of it and then also being able to come and be here at Lifeline where we're working towards a different solution in partnership with the state it gives me hope that there is um, a lot of ways for the church to step in and to become involved in major ways that I feel like that the church has always been called to be. And talk a little bit, just real quick, as we think of the state, talk a little bit about, you know, a lot of people say they feel like the workers don't care, but we know that's not true. And you were one of those workers coming in fresh. You've seen other workers coming in fresh. Just talk about that, that these aren't people that are just trying to take a job, but they come in, I mean, really social work as a whole. People don't go into social work because they're looking for a job to make a lot of money, right? <laughs> there's a lot of other things they could do if that's what they want to do. So there's a there's an intrinsic nature for social workers. They want to fix it. They want to help. Mm-hmm. They want to be a part of the solution. So just talk a little bit about the motivation of the state workers, and they really do care. Right. And from my personal experience working for the state, and I worked there for three years, pretty much all of my coworkers came there with that purpose of helping children, of defending children that didn't have a voice, that had often been taken advantage of, marginalized, told that their needs didn't matter. And the majority of the people that I knew um, in my entire time working there and then also later in partnering with the state have overwhelmingly been that they love these children, that they go home and weep for these children in their situations. And it's never been an issue that I've ever encountered of a worker being like, I don't care, or they don't matter, or this is just a job to me. I think the stress and sometimes the demands and the overwhelmingness of the decisions they have to make leads to maybe that some of that persona that they don't care. But I um, firmly believe that 
like you said, the people that come to these jobs, that come to work with children in foster care, it comes from a place of love and a place of wanting to help those without a voice. And I think, you know, we see that even with kids that have come from traumatic backgrounds as they learn to cope. And so a lot of times these workers are just learning to cope with all the trauma that they've seen, the abuse and the neglect they've seen so many of these kids go through. And so in the end, you know, what we may see as, you know, apathy is is really just coping for these workers. And at the end of the day, right, Christy Magan, I, I want you to talk a little bit about the model that we see at Lifeline to kind of be a solution to this. But ultimately, this model is built around the church because as, as, as we've been saying, instead of looking at the state as the enemy, we need to look at the state as a resource that we need to come alongside and help. We need to support. We need to uh, go to them and, and offer ways that we can plug in because ultimately that was what God asked us to do is to care for the poor and the needy and the broken and the fatherless and the widow. And when we let that job go as the church, the greater church, especially in this country, what we saw was the government had to step in. And so talk about this plan to kind of re-engage the church in foster care. Thanks, Hurry. I love talking about this because it really is so powerful to see Christ's church, his body, really getting involved in this and getting involved in the lives of vulnerable children. And so Lifeline's heart really is to do just that, is to to come alongside the state and partner with them and say, how can we as the body of Christ help you and support you in this incredible responsibility that you have to care for these vulnerable children? And so Lifeline is, is partnering and equipping local churches um, in, in the communities in which we're doing foster care, and we're equipping them to recruit families. We're equipping them to when I and I when I say recruit families I'm talking about foster families but we're also equipping them to care for these birth families because like we said at the beginning two of the primary factors that are part of a child being reunified and that being successful is stable foster care placements and the birth family being equipped and being stable when that child goes home and the church has an incredible opportunity to be a part of both of those both of those primary factors and so Lifeline's equipping the local church to do just that, to recruit those families, to equip these birth families to be stable and to do that from, um, for, for long term, you know, not just helping with um, a, a short term need, but really engaging in the mess. Um, really kind of our theme verse that we look at when we talk about our foster care ministry is Second Corinthians 5 and how we have been called to be ministers of reconciliation. And so when we engage in this mess of foster care and, and we get engaged in that and really understand and, and the church comes from that perspective. I love how Jennifer, you talked about come and seeing the state, you know, from understanding what they really are having to, to do. And when we can do that, with the state, when we can do that with birth families, coming from that perspective of we are no different apart from the grace of Christ and that that we all need Christ and we can all work together towards helping these birth families know about hope and joy in Christ. And the church is in an incredible position to do that. And so it's our joy to really just equip these local churches to do just that. And then, Jennifer, you have the great opportunity of actually executing this model. 
And certainly, you know, it's not perfect, but we're seeing this executed throughout Alabama and South Carolina. Talk a little bit about how we're seeing this accomplished and and maybe even just how we're seeing the church step up. So, yeah, the goal that Lifeline has had with foster care, like Christy Mack said, is to really come in and partner and equip the churches to to recruit and to love on and wrap around both foster families and birth families, and then also for Lifeline and the church to partner with the child welfare system. Um, like Herbie mentioned earlier, a lot of times people like to make the child welfare system look like the bad guy, and we're really trying to help and partner with churches to see that the child welfare system is an amazing place for us to minister to people, to people that are hurting, to people that are broken, to people that are overwhelmed with the crisis at hand. And so we're having a really unique and um, awesome opportunity, we feel like, from the Lord to get in there and partner in all these ways. And so in kind of a nuts and bolts way, the way it looks for us is we come in and partner with a church and partner with the local child welfare system and through that we have training classes for families that are interested in becoming foster parents we do a lot of partnering type recruitment with the church to have families that love the lord and see birth family ministry is a key piece of why they want to come into foster care and then through these um through these partnerships and through this recruitment then we're able to have the the training opportunities um, for these families and we include in that a heavy assessment and educating component because foster care is not easy like christy mack said foster care is messy foster care is hard and so we really work with the church and with our dhr partners to educate and equip our families for what they're going to face and for how to Um, mobilize not only their family but the rest of the church so we also try to provide training to churches and how to support foster families Um, one of our mantras is while not everybody is called to be a foster parent everybody we feel like is called to foster care in some way or another especially within the church and so we do try to work with churches and partner to equip on many different levels. Um, And then we also, like Christy Mack said, want to work with the churches for ongoing support, both of the birth families and of the foster families that are doing this work. And so, like Herbie said, we don't have all the kinks worked out necessarily, but we're starting to see um, this new approach that we're taking already um, kind of taking shape and moving and growing and hopefully becoming something that we can do in more places. And so Lifeline's foster care program is currently active in Alabama and South Carolina. And certainly if you are listening from one of those states and want to get engaged, we would just encourage you to contact our team and take the next steps, which is an orientation class. But if you're not currently in Alabama or South Carolina and the Lord is burdening you to get engaged with foster care, we'd still encourage you to go to our website for everyone at lifelinechild.org backslash fostering with an I-N-G, so fostering. And on that site, you're actually going to see this model that we've kind of talked around here in the last little bit. And at the center of that model, you're going to see the church. And the great thing is where you see Lifeline, truly you can take any Christ-centered child placing agency, child welfare agency that's willing to work in foster care. And that's that's what we want to see from this model. It's not that Lifeline becomes the answer, but the church becomes the answer in foster care. And so go to our website at lifelinechild.org and get that that model, but also be able to learn other things and see testimonials from churches that have already gotten engaged. 
Thanks for listening to the Defender Podcast. For more information or connect with me, please visit HerbieNewell.com. To partner with Lifeline, visit LifelineChild.org. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at LifelineChild.org. Or if you are ready to get engaged with our foster care ministry, remember, visit LifelineChild.org backslash fostering. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel through you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again tomorrow for the Defender Podcast.